0: Good evening and thanks for listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI 99.5 FM New York and also streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and as always, I'm joined by my amazing stellar co-host, I cannot say enough adjectives about her, Celeste katz Morrison, because together we bring you conversations about the world of politics and policy in our city, our state, and our nation. So let's bring her on. Celeste, mighty fine to be with you again today.
1: Always happy to hear your voice, Jeff. Always happy.
0: (laughs) What is on your mind? What have you been following in the news?
1: Well, uh, a bunch of things, actually. Well, certainly, I mean, looking at the, the action in New Hampshire this week, that was a very big deal. I'm sure we'll be talking about that a bit. But, you know, sort of trying to, uh, parcel out. Is this a huge, crushing win for Donald Trump? Did Nikki Haley make a, a presentable showing that shows she has some reason to go on what's going to happen in South Carolina? Obviously, her home state where she was already, uh, not received the endorsement of uh, one of the senators she herself appointed, Tim Scott. Um, that that endorsement went to Donald Trump, and uh, I noticed that I was there actually. When she endorsed Marco Rubio in his presidential bid, uh, going back to 2016, and uh, Marco Rubio apparently is no longer on the uh, the Haley bus. So uh, interesting times, Jeff.
0: Yeah, I mean, more and more it is looking likely that we're going to have another Trump Biden matchup. But uh, and we'll get to this later in the show, folks. will uh, Celeste and I'll bring you details on a poll that had just come out to show you the strength of Trump and, or weakness of Trump and uh, Biden here in New York. So don't you know? Don't change that dialogue during this hour because in the second half we're going to bring you those details but Celeste it does look like it could become another matchup between the two of them
1: yeah i mean that's that's the way it's going right now and and, you know what when i talk to people and i do jeff as you know i do a regular radio appearance on australian broadcasting corporation radio which is kind of like their npr type of radio but you know it's very interesting talking to people from other places and they've essentially said to me flat out like is this the best you can do why do you Mm. have these candidates that have been around for so many years um How come you don't have more fresh blood in your politics, essentially? And, uh, you know, trying to explain to them that it's very hard to defeat an incumbent. And when you do, it has to be a certain kind of situation. And people are into sort of dynastic politics in the United States, even though we don't have a a monarchy or anything. So it's just interesting to get a different viewpoint from people about uh, sort of how we see it versus how they see it.
0: Yeah, very good point. The other thing I've been uh, kind of uh, very focused on this week, folks uh, who listen to the show regularly, you know that I work with a number of nonprofits, including a number of Jewish organizations, one of them being the Museum of Jewish Heritage in Battery Park City. And uh, a number of the organizations I work with have been uh, planning to mark this Saturday uh, the International Holocaust Remembrance Day with a number of uh, events. Uh, but the reason I bring this up is because, you know, I was actually kind of astounded at this, Celeste. A new report had come out this week from what's known as the Claims Conference. It's the first of its kind report that comprehensively shows how many Holocaust survivors are still living across the world. Mm-hmm. 245,000 survivors still living across 90 countries. And here in New York City, just under 15,000 Holocaust survivors living in 35 of our 62 counties in the state. Now, before we get to our first guest, though, I do want to bring this up because earlier today I was actually present for this. Mayor Eric Adams was at the museum to tour their new exhibition geared towards youth called Courage to Act. And then he was joined by two Holocaust survivors, as well as a uh, woman who had been held hostage. Um, And they spoke, uh, the survivors spoke about their experience in the climate of anti-Semitism around the world. I'd like to, though, share with you a little of what the mayor said, followed by Gideon Taylor, president of the Claims Conference.
2: And I, I say to us... Uh, Do not underestimate the intensity of the hate that is becoming pervasive and normalized across the globe. Anti-Semitism is not in our rearview mirror. It is very much in our front window. There is a real normalization of hatred. And it is becoming so pervasive, and people have become so comfortable with it. We are seeing it in our uh, schools of academia, our colleges. We're seeing it in, in classrooms. We're seeing it as we walk the streets. People are comfortable with protesting and have the symbols of hate and spewing out hate. We must push back on that.
3: To the Holocaust survivors
0: in this room, the Holocaust survivors in New York and around the world, you inspire us. To be better. You demand of us to be stronger. And you make sure that we will continue to fight for a better world for generations to come.
1: That was Mayor Eric Adams and Gideon Taylor, president of the Claims Conference. Now, this week, we've also been covering uh, following coverage of gun violence incidents. A few years ago, gun violence surpassed car accidents as the leading cause of death among kids and teens in this country. And nearly one in five adults said a family member had been killed by a gun, according to at least one survey. So this morning, we also woke up to the news that five people were killed in a series of overnight shootings across Brooklyn park slope clinton hill crown heights police haven't said yet whether they believe any of the gun violence may be connected but this is national gun Surviv gun violence survivors week and congressman dan goldman hosted a series of fireside chats including with manhattan district attorney alan bragg to discuss strategies that can be implemented at the federal state and local levels to combat the gun violence epidemic they discussed the implementation of what's called the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, how the mental health crisis contributes to gun violence in America, and how variances in gun safety legislation on a state-by-state basis can make it difficult for individual states to enforce their own laws.
0: And with that, let us bring on our first guest. Our guest today, U.S. Congressman Dan Goldman. Welcome back to Driving Forces.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Congressman, you serve as vice chair of the House Gun Violence Prevention Task Force. You chair the DADS Caucus Gun Violence Prevention Working Group. You've introduced a number of measures. Recently, something called the Trafficking Reduction and Criminal Enforcement, or TRACE Act, to help the ATF reduce illegal firearms trafficking. Walk us through what this legislation would do.
4: This legislation uh, was originally introduced by my colleague, Congressman Mike Quigley from Illinois, and it's one of... range of pieces of legislation that we are trying to move forward to help end the gun violence epidemic. This particular one would require much greater reporting and data um, tracing on stolen firearms, um, which uh, a firearm is stolen every 90 seconds. And so many of the firearms that are used in violent crimes Uh, were stolen, but um, we do not do enough on the law enforcement level in requiring um, gun owners and uh, manufacturers from taking measures to make sure that uh, we can better trace and track stolen guns so that we can either prevent, hopefully prevent crimes on the front end, but certainly um, do a better job of figuring out on the back end what uh who may have been the uh, the culprit of a,
1: of a crime and congressman goldman thank you for joining us today when you're curious to know we've seen a lot of gun measures get introduced and not make it in congress sort of uh, uh fizzle out what makes this one different what kind of support are you seeing and does that give you uh some hope that this time things will in fact be different
4: No, unfortunately, um, we see no signs or indication from any Republicans that they have any interest in uh, an assortment of very basic, common-sense gun safety regulations and laws, even though uh, so many of them are supported by so many Americans, Democrats and Republicans alike. It is one of the most confounding things that I have, uh, learned about Congress in my year plus there, which is it's the only issue where public opinion does not seem to matter to Republican members of Congress. You know, This is one of many, many pieces of common sense legislation that would just regulate guns, make things safer. Um, and we're not, none of this is trying to take guns away from people who are Uh, who are competent, who are qualified, who store them safely, um, who go through any number of very minor uh, measures to ensure that gun ownership is safe. And we can't get any support from Republicans. It is uh, very frustrating. But we are not giving up and we will not stop. And that's part of the reason why we focus in my office this week on National Gun Violence Survivors week and we had three really really meaningful events one was you mentioned was a chat with the manhattan district attorney alvin bragg to talk about what's going on on the city and state level where new york is leading the country in many respects in gun safety legislation uh, we also had a, a wonderful roundtable a very moving and emotional roundtable with survivors of gun violence um, yesterday uh, unfortunately it, pre- it was it preceded five uh, murders overnight in Brooklyn, which just reminds us of how pervasive this problem is. And then today, we, uh, I and the public advocate Jumani Williams met with uh, about a dozen community-based organizations who are tackling this problem from so many different angles within the community. And what it really tells us is that uh, the solution to the gun violence epidemic uh, is, is a 360-degree solution. We need to not only pass this legislation and continue to push it, but we also need to invest in our communities and our community-based programs uh, to stop the demand for guns for, from those who want to use them violently.
1: And Congressman Dan Goldman, just want to go back to what you were saying a, a moment ago and, and dig a little deeper on that. You know, I think that you're, you're making the point that this is not a gun grab type of thing this is not to uh never allow anybody to own a gun for home defense or for uh, sport or for hunting that that kind of thing i think that um just in, in my experience of interviewing people about gun laws a lot of times and also just talking directly to gun owners uh, that i know that own guns for for a variety of reasons you know the concern may not be um reasonable measures like background checks uh, and and other other things that are sort of like what you're talking about, the concern seems to be that it's a slippery slope, that any further gun regulation is just an incremental step towards a lot of gun regulation. How do you kind of walk that line when you're trying to convince your Republican colleagues or other people whose support you might want for this, that this is not good. This is going to go only so far, but not all the way.
4: I mean, I think it's it's a kind of uh, specious counterfactual that has no basis in in any um, uh, evidence or facts. Uh, the reality is that you can look at all of the things that we are proposing on the Democratic side. Uh, you can make a determination as to whether or not you think that is an effort to try to take away a handgun to be used for self-defense or a, a gun to be used for hunting. They're not. So this is just an excuse used by um, the gun industry to scare gun owners into both supporting the NRA and into entrenching their views with the uh, sort of extreme Republicans um, who are over who are looking for any reason not to pass gun legislation. Uh, we're talking about the Trace Act, which is simply designed to just Help track uh, stolen guns. Why? What is the objection to that? You want to talk about red flag laws. You know, the, the shooter in Maine uh, a few months ago had spent two weeks in a mental health institution over the summer, a couple months before that. It is obvious that he should not have been able to possess a gun um, and that that would have stopped that people who have been convicted of domestic violence crimes should not be able to own a gun. This is just common sense. We should make sure that we're safely storing guns because so many guns in homes uh, turn into accidental deaths from kids or suicides. And I was happy to see that the president announced an initiative about that today. There's no basis to support the idea that some regulation will lead to taking guns away there there just is nothing to support that and it's a a, i think a really devious argument
0: and if you just tuned in this is driving forces on wbai 99.5 fm new york i'm your host jeff simmons joined by my co-host les katz marston and we are speaking with u.s congress member dan goldman i want to get to another piece of legislation because you know you have put forth a number of gun control uh uh, proposals, one called banning buy now, pay later. I'd love for you to explain what currently exists and what you want to see changed.
4: Well, just the, the, the theory that uh, you are, one is so desperate to get a gun that they would uh, create an IOU in order to get the gun right now is a strong indication that uh, there's some urgency around the gun, which um, is is very concerning. Um, the the idea of needing a gun right now um, just lends suspicion to bad uses of that gun. And there's you know should be no reason why someone is uh, so urgently getting a gun. Uh, it's similar to you know a three day wait period in order to get a gun. The notion of needing to get a gun right now, and we have. Seen that happen in many mass shootings where a gun was purchased right before a horrific uh, mass shooting occurred that is not uh, that, that's, that should be a warning sign and we should have regulations that prevents that um, just to be sure that nobody is um, impulsively getting a gun to commit a crime
0: Why is this so personal to you?
4: Well I It's been something that I've focused on for my entire career. As a federal prosecutor, um, for 10 years, I I prosecuted gun violence and gun trafficking. And prior to that, um, I spent a fair amount of time in the criminal justice movement uh, world, where uh, you can see the, you certainly can see the impact of guns. And it's not just simply making it tougher to get guns, but we do need to invest in our communities. But the thing that I think has really triggered me more than anything uh, is something that Celeste just mentioned, which is that gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children in our country. Um, Cars have gotten safer and guns have not. And as a parent of five and part of the Dad's Caucus, uh, I have watched my five- and six-year-old children go through active shooter training in kindergarten over the past couple of years. And it's just so jarring to see that they have to deal with that when they barely know what a gun is. Uh, we used to worry about uh, you know, whether who someone was playing with on the playground when they went to school. Now parents worry about whether someone is gonna come home from school alive. It doesn't have to be this way. It is a, an epidemic, and we need to have rational, common sense solutions to reduce the amount of gun violence. We are unique among countries in the world. And I don't wanna hear that it's a mental health issue because other countries have mental health issues too, similar to ours, and they don't have the gun violence that we have. Uh, certainly mental health is important, but that does not explain the rampant use of gun violence uh, in our country uh, that is just uh, that has become a public health crisis and urgently needs to be addressed.
1: We're talking to Congressman Dan Goldman here on Driving Forces. You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. So, Congressman, shifting gears just a little bit, sort of violence-related, but not specifically uh, necessarily to guns, I uh, want to talk about something that you introduced recently. It was a resolution to censure uh, one of your fellow members of Congress from New York, Elise Stefanik, for providing aid, comfort, and support to rioters and insurrectionists. Um, This is, of course, in relation to the January 6th, 2021 insurrection at the United States Capitol. She labeled the people involved in that activity hostages, quote unquote. What message are you trying to send with this uh, resolution for censure and what's going on with that?
4: Look, there's a a concerted attack on our democracy from Donald Trump and the Republican Party that he really controls now. And Congresswoman Stefanik has risen in leadership in the Republican Party because um, she has kneeled at the foot of Donald Trump. And that has been her ticket to more power and more authority. And over time, she has become more and more extremist, supporting those who were convicted of serious crimes related to the attack on the Capitol to undermine the peaceful transfer of power, and the this, the last straw was really when she equated prisoners who have either been convicted of serious crimes or are awaiting trial of serious crimes to the hostages, the Israeli hostages who are now in Gaza, who are innocent civilians being tortured and treated horrifically, and it both undermines our democracy, provides support for those who attacked our democracy, but it also demeans and belittles the the seriousness and the severity of the hostage situation in Gaza right now. And it's just not something that any member of Congress should ever be speaking about. And I, I think during this election year, when we have a lot of issues. I mean, look at what's happening in Texas right now, where the Texas governor is defying a Supreme Court order. There's a consistent thread of Republicans who are undermining the rule of law when they don't like something, and they're undermining our democracy. And this year is going to be the the, uh, um, flashpoint of this issue as we head into an election. And we need to make sure that we in Congress are rising above these issues and advocating for our democracy, our rule of law, and our free and fair elections.
0: You know, you had said, uh, and I'm going to quote you, that she was putting her personal ambitions over her integrity. Do you think a lot of this, her statements, are really to position herself to uh, possibly be a uh, serious run up? Uh, Potential running mate for Donald Trump.
4: Uh, it's quite possible. Um, she has certainly she flipped the switch in 2019, um, and you know that's why it's it's different than you know someone like uh, Matt Gates, who has you know been pretty consistently out there since he got into Congress, and that's that's who he's always been. At least the started out as a more rational, serious, um, reasonable member of the Republican Party uh, from New York who saw an opportunity to gain the limelight and gain some uh, power by jumping fully in on the Donald Trump train. uh, train. And she just she's done it and she continues to do it more and more and more and her language and rhetoric almost mirror Donald Trump's at this point. And that, I can assure you, is not what New Yorkers want uh, from their members of Congress. Uh,
0: Congressman, I know we only have about a minute or two left. I want to squeeze in one quick question because uh, uh, be, you had mentioned Texas before. And, of course, my mind goes to... Uh, issues involving immigration. Uh, I mean, New York City is not the only large American city that's been experiencing a surge of new arrivals. Many people being bused here from Texas We're experiencing a number of challenges in addressing their needs, particularly when it comes to housing. Assess how the mayor and governor of New York have responded to this crisis. Are you satisfied with their response?
4: This has been an incredibly difficult situation for the city and state of New York Uh, And there's no question that we need uh, federal funding to support the city and state's effort to do that. The problem is there is no money available to the Biden administration to reimburse the city and state of New York for money that they have spent on housing and providing services to migrants. There is a program in the Department of uh, Homeland Security called the Shelter and Services Program that... Uh, had was previously funded last year with eight hundred million. in the supplemental recommendation for appropriations from the administration, they asked for six hundred million more. The Republicans refuse to negotiate in good faith to actually address a solution for the issues at the border. And we now have it said out in the open that the Republicans do not want to pass legislation to address the issue at the border, even though, The Biden administration and Secretary Mayorkas have been negotiating and have clearly indicated that they would like to pass bipartisan legislation to address those issues. But the Republicans refuse to pass legislation that is required to address this situation because they want to use it as a political issue rather than solve the problem.
1: Congressman Dan Goldman, we always wish we had more time. We have lots more questions for you. But just at the moment, if people want to find out more about you and the work that you're doing for New York and Congress, where can they go?
4: Uh, They should go to www.goldman.house.gov. And we welcome input from from everyone. uh, And it's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you both, uh, as always.
1: Congressman Dan Goldman, thank you so much for joining us here today on WBAI you're listening to driving forces i'm celeste katz marston here with the incomparable jeff simmons and we just want to take a moment here as always to remind you hopefully this time it'll work this show this station wbai only exists because of you this is listener supported non-commercial radio help us keep this station alive go to wbai.org today today and become a bai buddy in the name of this program driving forces. It only takes a minute. It is very easy. You can become a sustaining supporter of this show, WBAI.org. You can give in any amount you want. It's very easy. Uh, Just put in your credit card information. You can also uh, do it by phone if you like, uh, 212-209-2950, 212-209-2950. And we bring you important programs like the one we're having today, where you get to hear directly from your congressman. We really want you to have these conversations with us, and we'll do that later in the call section, but we want to talk about what really matters to New Yorkers. Gun violence matters to New Yorkers. Who is the next president matters to New Yorkers. Certainly, immigration and the migrant crisis really matter to New Yorkers, but we can't do this without your help. We can't do it alone. you got to pitch in. you got to go to the site, WBAI.org. Please do it today, and thank you.
0: You know, and Celeste mentioned that you could become a sustaining member. The way you can do that is by becoming what we call a BAI buddy. That's what we are. We give recurring contributions, goes right on our credit card each month. Most people give fifteen or twenty dollars. You can give more if you can. And if you can if you're strapped for cash, you could just even give one donation right now during the show. Celeste and I are only trying to raise three hundred and fifty dollars during the show today. So as you noted, here's the number you could call, but you could also go on the website, by the way. The number Two one two two zero nine two nine five zero, or go to wbai.org. And remember, we'd like to remind you that your donation is tax-deductible. You could do something good for yourself, your fellow New Yorkers, and of course your tax bill. Maybe you could swing the ten bucks or fifteen bucks a month. Maybe you can budget for twenty dollars a month. Think about it. A lot of people spend more than 20 bucks a week just on coffee, like I know I do, but I also give to BAI each month. Or, you know, you could skip that breakfast on the way to work and instead say I'm going to give that 15 or $20 to WBAI. Nothing against coffee or breakfast, but independent media matters too. Your support for this station matters. Please, please visit WBAI.org to make your gift today or call 212-209-2950.
1: Just remember, radio is the most important meal of the day. (laughs) just want to to get that out there. WBAI.org. Independent media matters. Non-corporate media. Free speech media matters. And that is what you have right here. WBAI.org. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste. He's Jeff. And we are going to open up the phone lines for you to weigh in on what we talked about with Congressman Dan Goldman. But we're also going to share some Details about a new poll of voters in New York on the presidential race. So we're going to want to know what you think about that too. The number to start calling two one two two zero 212 209 2877. 212 209 2877. We'll be right back. Take
2: a
0: That was Abba's Take a Chance on Me, which is my theme song, actually. And this is Driving Forces on Free Speech Radio, WBAI 99.5 FM New York. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, joined as always by the inimitable Celeste Katz-Morston. So the phone lines are now open. We have a lot of topics we want to get to, but really we want to hear from you. So give us a call at 212-209-2877.
1: So we're going to bring you up to speed on that new Siena poll in just a moment. If you're curious about how strong Donald Trump's support is in New York, well, here's what we know. Jeff's going to fill us in, but call in once you hear this cuz we genuinely want to hear. I mean, the guy is I guess he's a former New Yorker now and now he's a now he's a Florida man. 212-209-2877 212-209-2877. What are you going to say, Jeff? He's not a New York resident, he's oh, just You're going to say he's just a defendant. New York. Defendant. Well, you know,
0: I was going to say, a former New Yorker but spending a lot of time in a New York courtroom these days.
1: Exactly. 212 209 2877. 212 209 2877. Earlier in the program, we heard from Congressman Dan Goldman. Thank you, Jeff, for setting that up. Jeff works hard. He works hard for the no money because we're both volunteers, <laughs> which is why you should give to this station. We are doing our part by giving the time. Give us the dime two one two two oh nine two eight seven seven two one two two oh nine two eight seven seven we want to hear from you where is everybody where's everybody from the cave new milford all our friends where are you guys two one two two oh nine two eight seven seven but jeff is like get serious so here jeff tell us about the poll
0: okay siena college came out with a poll a few days ago this was before new hampshire by the way so uh let's see among all voters in new york Uh, Donald Trump has a 37 to 57 percent favorability rating. That's up a little from the 34 percent favorability he had back in November Uh, by a 74 to 24 percent margin. Republicans say they want Trump as opposed to someone else as their presidential nominee this year. Now, Biden, if you were wondering about Biden, Biden, Biden has a forty-three to fifty-three percent favorability rating. That, uh, and by the way, that's much higher when that's overall, but it's much higher when you just look at Democrats. That's seventy percent to twenty-eight percent. But you should know that forty-three to fifty-three percent—it's the lowest ever in a Siena College poll, Celeste. And by the way his job uh biden's job approval rating stands at 54 percent favorable favorability Ah, 44 to 56 percent uh also by the way his lowest ever down just a bit from 45 percent in november um now biden leads trump in a head-to-head matchup 46 to 37 percent that's a little change from the last time that they polled in november um, but compare this to the last time around, the last time the two of them were up against each other, because back then Biden beat Trump 61 to 38 percent. That was a 23 point margin. But today, whether it's a two way race or a four way race, Biden only leads Donald Trump by nine points. That's according to this poll in New York. I'm curious, as you're listening to these figures, I mean, it's a lot of figures, but more generally, What do you think is going to happen here in New York? How much of a chance does Donald Trump have to become the Republican nominee? I'm just curious what you think about this. What do you think is going to happen if there's a Biden-Trump matchup once again? Give us a call at 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Let's get to the first call. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm Janice calling
5: from the Bronx.
0: Hi, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today?
5: Thank you. Just a couple of things. I just tuned in, but with Adams, I don't understand how someone could be so mean and evil to switch people because of some stupid regulation to go out in the cold because two months is up. It's so stupid. It's it's evil. It makes no sense. And as far as Trump, um, I think I would leave if he ever gets elected, but Biden really has a lot to answer for, and he's losing a lot of support because he's genocide, Joe, and all he has to do is pick up the phone, and it's a shame. But Trump has already said what he would do, and it would be much worse. So I dread Trump getting in, and I hate Biden for what he's doing. That's it.
1: So if if there was somebody else out there that you could vote for for president maybe there is somebody out there but who would you like to see in the oval office or at least at least in the campaign for president
5: well um people like golden just support the Dems and the Zionist israel so i don't know any of the alternatives seem to be much better but they would never get elected and i think domestically uh, biden has been good he fought for the George Floyd and Violence Act and voting rights, but because the Cinema and we couldn't get it done. But I don't see um, anyone. The Dems should have had a bench set up a year or two ago, and I think Biden feels He'll, he's successful against Trump, but that's why if Haley runs, who knows what will happen, and they're much, much worse. They also said they would ban Muslims. They would be much, much worse.
1: Well, Thank we really, we really appreciate the call. Thank you so much. 212 209 2877. 212 209 2877. Nobody in New York has an opinion on who else might make a good president. I don't believe it. 212 209 2877. 212 209 2877. Give us a call. And given the topic that we
0: talked uh, about with uh, Congressman Dan Goldman, I want to pose a few questions because if you're listening, I want to know your views on this. You know, in light of the ongoing challenges of gun violence here in our country, we want to hear from you. What specific measures or policies do you think could effectively address the gun violence uh, epidemic in our country? I mean, the congressman mentioned, you know, rational, common sense solutions. We hear about them all the time, but many of them, as Celeste pointed out earlier in the show, just die in Congress. As a listener, If you want to share your personal experience or your observations that have shaped your perspective on gun violence give us a call and let us know and do you think you know there are community-based solutions that could make a significant impact on reducing gun violence what's happening in your own communities that you think is working or that is not working if you want to get specific and talk about new york city or new york state that's fine too but we're really curious what you think should change, what additional measures you think could be implemented to curb gun violence in our country. Give us a call at 212-209-2877 and let us know what you think. Uh, Celeste, I'm just going to rattle off another statistic or two okay. because you know yeah. you know, I like to prepare as much as possible for this show.
1: Just keep rattling <laughs> off the phone number because I, I uh, maybe the phone lines are down. It has happened before, Jeff, 212-209-2877.
0: Okay, so I was looking up gun violence statistics uh, in, in, last year, and these come from the National Institute for Healthcare Management Foundation. Obviously, we know gun violence is a major public health problem. It is the leasing, leading cause of premature death. Last year, just uh, just under... 43,000 people died in the country from gun-related injuries. So we're going to – I'll rattle off more stats later if we have time. But for now, let's get back to the phone lines because apparently they're lighting up since Les said, are they down? But no, they're not. So <laughs> let's get that first caller on. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What's your name? Where are you from?
6: Hello, I'm Vincent from the Bronx.
0: Hi, Vincent. What's on your mind today?
6: All right, a couple of quick things. Number one, I think that um, – I don't think Biden should have ran again. I think somewhere like Gavin Newsom from California, I think he would have been a really good candidate, a strong candidate. Um, Also, too, the fact that we have no term limits, like for the Senate and for the House, I think that's also an issue because you have people running over and over again who's not doing anything, who's not making any changes. And one other final point, I think there should be an age limit to run all Congress for the Senate because we have people who in their 70s and 80s make decisions for people in not even born yet or people who in their 20s, 30s who will be affected by decisions that are made by the politicians for another 50, 30, 40, 100 years from now. I think we need to change those things.
1: Those are excellent points, Vincent. Thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate it. And Vincent raises a very good point there. What do you think? 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. Should there be an age limit, not an age requirement? We already have those. I think for president, it's what, 35? Uh, 212-209-2877. When are you too old to be president of the United States? We're going to go back to the phones right now. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you calling from?
6: Hi, I'm Joseph. I'm uh, calling from Harlem. Um, What's going kinda, on, I, Yeah, I'm, I agree with the uh, the previous caller um, somewhat. I don't uh, I don't think there should be a you know, the the biggest problem is uh, gerrymandering with the, the the House. This is why these people are in there forever because the uh, the states. I I think there should be an independent uh, uh, group that decides uh, the districting. You know, so it doesn't side one one side or the other. And then you'll have a little more ebb and flow of uh, people in, in those districts. Um, so I don't necessarily agree that they should be term-limited there. It's the gerrymandering. And then we have our, our voting. I mean, our voting system is so ridiculous that these small little states have so much power in the presidential election because of uh, – uh, I'm going blank here um, – you know, the electors, you know, for each get oh,
1: the Electoral College.
6: Yeah. Electoral College is so ridiculous. I mean, they, it was created just to, to keep the elite in charge and, you know, try to kind of avoid people like Trump getting in. But now it's you know, it's just the opposite. But uh, Biden, is, his policies are, you know, I mean, I'm pretty progressive. I don't think he's progressive enough. But um, I mean, they're they're working. They're just not getting the, the message out. And the guy's too old. Just people mostly like his policies, but he's just too old. And then you have Kam- Kamala Harris is not popular. She's just uh, a mainstream, you know, uh, general mainstream Democrat, and uh, a me- you know the media loves her. This, and that, but people don't. You know, she's not she's not a progressive. Uh, so I I think that's the problem. I mean, we're, I can't believe we're so close to getting this idiot back again. Uh, they could possibly win the election. I mean, I don't. I, I just don't get it. But it do, doesn't matter. He was right all along. You know, kill somebody on Fifth Avenue, and they'd still vote for him.
1: Well well we'll we'll see cuz as 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 you know and as we know the only the only poll that really counts is the one on election day. If one more person says that to me, I'm probably going to like poke out an eye, but thank you for your call. 212-209-2877 212-209-2877. It makes my heart sing to see the phone lines lighting up. Going to stay with the phones right now. Next call, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hello. That's you. Hello? That's you. Uh, hello. That's you.
3: Okay, beautiful. Thank you. This is L from Long Island, in reference to uh, the gun violence. I think that there is somewhat a uh, contrad- contradictory uh, situation when you have over thirty-five thousand people dying in Gaza and you have everyone, uh, basically, this country going into other countries with guns, then the young people and the folks here in the country, they assume that if you want to do something and you want to be, quote, bad, bad in the sense of you have the power, get a gun. So there's something that's just... uh, not correct with what is preached and what is practiced. In reference to the election, Biden, uh, I don't think it's a matter of age. I think it's a matter of uh, capability at a uh, acceptable age, which is any age, as long as you have complete control of your faculties. I think the history of a person running for president is extremely important. Biden has never addressed the reparation uh, 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 matter with the black African-Americans, foundational black African-Americans. He's never addressed that. And we must keep in mind that his mentor uh, was Strong Thurman. And he is something mm-hmm. else, but nobody brings that up. And if you check the history, of the political history of Biden, it's not one that, uh, uh, he says, if you, can't, if you don't vote, vote for me, you're not black. Now, what kind of nonsense is that?
0: Mm l thank you. In reference
3: Elle. To, I'll just say in reference to possibility, I believe sometime back, I, I I believe the candidates not a name for the Green Party was Jill, Jill Stein, was it?
0: Mm-hmm, that That is correct. L. I want to thank you. Lots to digest today. But thank you for giving us a call. I know we want to squeeze in one more call before we have to start wrapping up the show. L, thank you so much from a long, for calling us from a Long Island today. Let's get to that last caller today. Welcome to WBAI. You are on Driving Forces. What's your name and where are you calling from?
7: Uh, my name is Cruz and I'm from Central Harlem. Um, Hi, Cruz. How are you? I'm well. Uh, hope you all are well, too. Thank you. So um, I would like, instead of bringing these um, Democratic hacks to come and like sell us a president that should never still be in office to do anything. Um, I would like us to focus on other people that are running against him if you want to stick with the Democratic Party. Um, Williamson, uh, Marion Williamson is there. Um, let's see. Uh, you have also the third party, someone that is actually from New York, you know, a uh, uh, Claudia de la Cruz, a uh, Cornell West, um, Jill Stein, we need to bring those people, okay, because um, it's really frustrating that on BAI, of all stations, um, we are hearing um, State Department talking points and rallying NBC-style radio, okay? It's very frustrating. Perhaps why people are kind of hesitant to call you. So that's my only comment. You all have a good evening. Goodbye.
0: Cruz, thank you for calling in. Thank you for listening to Driving Forces and for being a loyal listener of WBAI. Um, we're gonna we're nearing the end of the show. I don't think we have any other uh, callers right now, so we just want to first make a point of thanking uh, Congressman Dan Goldman for calling in during the show today. Uh, you know, we also want to make sure that we provide you, you know, callers like uh, listeners like Joseph and L and Cruz, Vincent and Janice, the opportunity to be able to call in and voice your opinion. You know, Roger from New Milford, we were hoping to hear from you again today, but maybe on the next show. Roger from
1: New Milford yelled at me about vaccines last time. I'll have you know that, Jeff. I just want to but, remind you.
0: But you know how I feel. I Whether people disagree or agree with us, I'm glad they're listening to WBAI, that they make a point of keeping WBAI on in their homes, in their cars. You know, when oh they're when it,
1: Yes. And we try to, you know, our program may be a little bit different than some of the other programs on the station. And our callers may be different people. People listen to all sorts of different shows, depending on their schedules and their interests and so on. And that is fine. I think that the, the diversity of WBAI is one of the things that's really awesome about it. And so definitely, definitely, definitely welcome every caller, every perspective. I want to thank everybody who joins us every week. Because, you know, if you think about it, Jeff, we've been doing this for now, what, like almost five and a half years which, isn't that wild you're and almost we, my
0: longest relationship no i'm kidding
1: <laughs> maybe you are my longest really i've been doing this show with you longer than i've been married jeff actually Wow. Yeah. If you want to think about it, if you want to think about it in that sad, heartbreaking <laughs> way. Um, but we do we do appreciate every single call, just as we appreciate, of course, every single other show of support for this show in this station. So just a reminder, WBAI.org is the place to go. Please become a BAI buddy in the name of this program. If you care about free speech radio, if you care about having a news source and a source of information in New York City that is not run by Big business, please go to wbai.org or call 212 209 2950. 212 209 2950.
0: Jeff. You know, and just remember, Celeste mentioned this earlier. Most of us who you hear on this station are volunteers. We work very hard to try to bring you the best type of programming, to bring you guests, you know, that uh, are. You know, at the fore of certain policy changes, the elected officials, the advocates and you know, influencers, authors, even some entertainers, you know, uh, months ago, we I had uh, Mark Ruffalo on. Uh, because of his activism regarding the uh, West Park Church on the Upper West Side. So, you know, we want to um, also make sure while we look at national issues and state issues, there's often hyper-local community issues that really resonate with everyone. One of the shows, Celeste, that I had done at one point, we could not get to all of the phone calls, was an issue that's like dominating the discussion right here in my neighborhood, the open streets. I mean, people could not... Uh, stop calling in to talk about why they wanted open streets or don't want open streets in here in New York and what this means for our city. Uh, anyway, so I just bring this up because, you know, I hear from people all the time about the topics, uh, you know, uh, climate change we have to get to. Uh, we've always wanted to do something on the Electoral College. I think we should do that. And something that one of our callers raised today, it's a good issue. Should there be term limits in the Senate and the House? That's another one I'm sure you would like to look into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We get some of our best ideas for programs from our callers, from our listeners, and we really need to hear from you about that because we want to bring you programs that are meaningful to you. We work hard to try to find all different kinds of guests and to talk about things that are trending or talk about things that aren't talked about enough, and both of those things help us pull together a show that we think will be interesting and useful to you and, and encourage you to uh, give us a call and let other people know how you feel feeling like actually have a conversation, not just sort of yell things at you from your computer or your phone or what used to be like the box on your kitchen counter or whatever. Maybe you're listening in your car. Um, and all that stuff is fine. But for, you know, for absolutely sure, we would love to hear from you, get in touch with us, call into the program and support this station.
0: So on that note, I want to thank the folks who called in today. Also, again, Congressman Dan Goldman and, of course, Reggie Johnson for engineering today's show. I'm going to be back this Sunday morning at 8 o'clock with uh, another episode of City Watch. My co-host Carla Menchaca and I are going to be joined by Brooklyn Council Member Sandy Nurse. She's the new chair of the Council's Criminal Justice Committee. And we're also going to be talking with Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. We'll be talking about his office's work on mental health issues and much more. And we will ask him about something we read about in the New York Times today about him building a case against Donald Trump for, uh, well, you're going to have to tune in and find that out. And then, of course, I want to thank the stunning Celeste Katz-Marston for our five and a half years of enjoyable bliss together and hope for looking forward to the next five and a half with you here in BAI. If you missed any part of this show, you can find Driving Forces, thanks to Celeste on Apple SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, this has been Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more great programming on WBAI and we'll see you on the radio next week.